Buenos dias, buenas tardes, buenas noches, señores y señores. I am Guilherme Paturi, one of your co-hosts for the fourth season of El Cafecito, the podcast of the Department of Spanish and Portuguese at the University of Toronto. It's a pleasure to be here once again for this eighth episode of the fourth season. And uh, this is a reminder from the Gilly from the future uh, that this is the second part of our two-part episode of uh, regarding March 8th, International Women's Day, and... Uh, the discussion of abortion. So while episode 7th, the first part of this episode, dealt with uh, March 8th International Women's Day celebrations throughout the continent, this second part will talk about uh, the struggle for the legalization of abortion and how uh, abortion has been recently legalized in several countries such as Colombia, Chile, Argentina, and it's on its way to be possibly legalized in Ecuador as well. So um, I'm going to give it back to Raquel from the past, who's going to get us going on this discussion. And don't forget to listen to part one, where we, uh, myself, Raquel, Juanita, and Helen, talk about International Women's Day in Canada, in Toronto, and in Latin America. Thank you so much, Raquel. And for today's episode, we want to talk in specific about one of the agendas, um, one of the items on the agendas of so many feminist collectives, which is abortion rights. Um, as during the last few years, many countries in the region have taken massive and very, very important strides towards um, ensuring the access of, of, uh, to abortion, safe, legal and uh, free abortion. Um, so yes, let's, let's get started on the conversation. Um, Juanita, and I guess we can start with you just because uh, Colombia was the latest country to uh, make a very important decision on the matter. So you want to tell us about what happened, uh, the history of the process, and what are what are some of the reactions of people in, in Colombia? Great, yes. Um, well, this past February 21st, I think it is, um, the legalization of abortion um, was issued and um, it was in response to a lawsuit that was issued issued by a coalition of um, abortion right activists called Causa Justa in 2020 um, that demand the end of criminalization of abortion, right? So um, the history that we had, like at least the last sentence we had uh, from tw 2006, um, the Constitutional Court declared that it, um, the uh, abortion was only allowed within three three exceptions. So uh, the risk for mo the mother's life, um, pregnancy due to sexual assault and my malformation of the fetus and women had, um, they, they could be sentenced on uh, like up to four and a half years in prison. So this was a whole um a really big long fight since 2006 and in 2020 as i said uh this demand this lawsuit was made and it it has been worked on um for uh, these past two years um so um what 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 was this what is this lawsuit about and what was it fighting for especially um this this sentence that was made for uh, legalization of abortion um it is until the six months if i could say um but uh how it was it explained like why is this um why is 24 weeks you know why is that it's because as i said um usually um women women that are the most affected by, you know, these dangerous and secret illegal circumstances they have to uh, put their, themselves in in order to access an abortion are women that live in isolated regions where access to healthcare is complicated, is scarce, or due to their living circumstances, maybe living uh, with, a, with an abuser, you know, if their partner is reluctant or their, their family is stigmatizing them. Um, this span of time has to it has to give them kind of like a, a time gap in case of that happens. But usually abortions are proven to be 
done during the fourth or six weeks of pregnancy. And from week seven on, it's very rare that it's done. So um, just to sum up, this law um, is not forcing women to have an abortion until the sixth month, but it's just a gap, you know, especially um, to privileged women in my country. A lot of times we're, we're the most, you know, outraged by this because they have the education and they have a very easy access to healthcare in comparison to the whole and the majority of the country. So, of course, they don't need the time, the, this time gap. Um, but it's more for these majority of people that are the most, most affected by these dangerous circumstances in the criminalization of abortion. Wow, that was that was a lot. Thank you for, for telling us all about this. Um, I think my, my first question would be about um, what was the work being done by feminist organizations while the I don't know, like the uh, National Assembly or the, the uh, legislative body was discussing the law or the or, or the bill. What was the work being done by feminist organizations to put this um, uh, lawsuit in conversation in like the public eye and not just between people uh, or like feminists or people that were part of the, these groups, but also with the rest of society? So how was that process? Because I think, as you were saying, these surveys show that 80% of the population were like actually interested in like, or um, that will approve um, abortion in certain cases, but that, in my opinion, that's a very high number. So what, why is that happening? Um, what was the work being done by feminist organizations and how was the Colombian society um, engaged, the Colombian society was engaged in those initiatives by feminist organizations to put this uh, topic in conversation? Um, I, I kind of skimmed through the lawsuit that was written. I think uh, this was a very, very long um, uh, law process, if that's the word for it. Um, because at first, you know, it was a, a harsh work on, you know, getting all of these um, lawyers to start uh, creating the document, especially in Causa Justa they are made up by 90 abortion rights uh, organizations. So it was a lot of, you know, bringing up the data. What are, what, what's the data? What are the, you know, complications about these, you know, doing a lot of field work and uh, working with the different communities. Uh, there, there's many, many uh, ethnic and, you know, racialized communities that are the most affected affected because they live in these isolated regions. So, you know, talking to women that live in rural areas, the ones um, that have the, the, you know, lowest income, um, racialized group, ethnic groups, indigenous women, um, you know, it's kind of like starting this conversation and talking face to face to people saying like, uh, you know, what are the, what are, like, what's your experience with this? How has it um, affected you, your community? You know, I think there's not a, well, this is a generalization, but I think there's not a single woman that doesn't know someone that has, you know, thought of having an abortion, gotten an abortion, you know? So it's a whole of, as we said, community building in a way uh, of uh, kind of like, bringing up these experiences together and also bringing these evidence like data um, so that uh, it was just collected and presented in the in the document um, as well as um, talking about how some articles of the constitution were basically violated by the criminalization of abortion so it was also a a lot of work as i said with with lawyers and getting all of the information from this organization that have worked all, like many, many years for this. Um, and yeah, also, you know, spreading all of the information, educating people um, about about what what abortion is and what, you know, the access, how healthcare 
is very, very important and scarce in, in parts that, that we just don't know about. So also kind of like deconstructing this stigma that is very, very prevalent in the country. What are the, I guess, next steps now? It is a very important step that it was made. People um, have heard like from, from some organizations um, where, you know, expecting a little bit more like, you know, a, a complete access to abortion um, as it is available in, you know, many other countries, I think, you know, outside of Latin America. So they're still trying to first, you know, um, trying to see how that is possible. Of course, this is not a general statement for all of the organizations because um, for us living in a country like Colombia, it's a really big step forward. So I think um, it's kind of like letting it, letting it, letting it uh, kind of like, like see how it works, how it goes. But I, I know some of the reactions were like, you know, we were expecting a little more. And also I think is, uh, this stigma is very, very prevalent. I know there has been backlash, you know, like um, a lot of pro-life organizations uh, have been, you know, trying to push the government to rethink about all of this. There was, a, there was another also huge, huge march, huge protests that were, you know, trying to get the government to revoke all of this. And also recently there has been news about a group that threatened the, the members of the constitutional court that voted uh, in favor of abortion, in favor of the legalization of abortion. So they are targeted and they passed a whole document saying that um, how, how they have to you know, kind uh, eliminate like this lawsuit, um, or else you know they they will have to they they're gonna like attack and have like the arm like arms and weapons. That's a very recent news that we had. So I think it's kind of like um, ma maintaining these uh, maintaining kind of like educating people about like how to access all of this, and then you know they um they're they're still fighting for a better access to it because you know there's people that <laughs> that still you know there are going to be exceptions where in more than 24 weeks uh there's going to be cases where people you know might need it so that's the general notion <laughs> yeah for sure that's that's super interesting Juanita. i'm sorry I, i didn't actually say much because i was just listening in and, and trying to understand the situation and just before we move on from colombia unless someone else has something to say um i just like to highlight actually the fact how how although abortion so pre-2015 let's use that date was illegal throughout most if not all of the continent the elites always did get abortions that was something that was always available especially in brazil um if you had money you could get an abortion full stop and if you didn't well then it was against the law and then then you would have to go to these really uh unsanitary terrible places and pay a fortune to get something that could kill you um so i think it's very important to state that this is I, I don't know if reparations is the correct word, but it is definitely making something that already happened available to all and not be exclusive to the elites anymore, which I think is uh, a very important thing that's going on. Um, and I hope that this, what's happening in Colombia, expands throughout more of the continent. Um, and as we'll see, it it has to an extent. We've had, we have had a lot of more countries that are expanding uh access to abortion uh but do any of you have anything else to say before we close this uh chapter on colombia no i think i just wanted to emphasize what you talked what you said about um rich people being able to access abortions and i think that really really speaks about how uh this is also a class issue so it's not just a gender issue it's also a class issue it's also um, a race issue um really important to look at these through intersectionality because it's not just um, because you're a woman now you'll be able to access abortion or um, 
get an abortion. It's also about where do you live? So as Juanita was saying, the difference between living in urban versus rural areas, um, in Ecuador at least, there's also more specific things about uh, indigenous women as well. So it's, it is important to acknowledge uh, intersectionality and also acknowledge uh, and look at the issue holistically, because as Ilya said, it is a class issue and it's also rooted uh, in capitalism, in like the patriarchy, how it works, and important to look at these themes, these different uh, items in the feminist agendas as uh, items and, and that are talking back to all these different uh, systems of power and structures that are the ones that at the end of the day contribute to uh, this violence that women experience in Latin America. Yeah, for sure. Um, so with this, I think we can move on to the second case study, perhaps, that we're exploring in this episode, which is the uh, expansion of abortion access in Chile. And I'd love to give a rundown about what happened, but I would actually like to uh, pass the ball to Alain and ask her uh, about that, about abortion in Chile in general, uh, if if the election of Boric is going to change this, is going to accelerate this process. And yeah, please, you have the mic. Yes, thank you. I actually want to start uh, with the topic we were talking about, about abortion being accessible for people in uh, higher classes. There's a, like an urban knowledge thing in Chile. We say, if you want to have an abortion and you're rich, you just go through a, like, a private clinic to appendicitis surgery and you get out without <laughs> a fetus. Yeah. So I think, uh, among other things in Chile, we have a lot of uh, class problems since there's always access for some, but not for all. Also quality for some, but not for all. And that also reflects on, for example, abortion. Uh, in 2019, abortion in any case was outright illegal. Uh, it was kind of a reflection of the constitution from Pinochet from 1980. And in 2017, this abortion was lifted. But the problem is that the bill that was proposed by the opposition in 2018, it's something we kind of call sleeping bills or sleeping laws. Um, they are in the Senate and in the in the, I'm sorry, I forgot the name, but in the government for a long, long, long time before they are approved. And it's not a matter of the law itself, but is that the politician actually have the control to pass the law, but they don't. And they have it going around in this circle, vicious circle for a long, long time. Recently, we actually had a we, they, they approved uh, same-sex marriage. That was a huge step for the LGBTQ community in Chile. But of course, it was really questioned uh, by the community since this was right at the ending of Sebastián Piñera's government. And some people feel uh, that, among other things, this bill was uh, pushed and influenced to kind of like clean his image of all of the things that happened in the 2019 crisis. So right now we have what it's called uh, abortion under tres causales or three motives. That is when the woman's life is in danger, when the fetus is in Bible and when the pregnancy it's resulted from rape. The problem with that last reason is how the like the system actually considers what's rape and what they actually take as seriously. There's many cases of women that have reported rape and the police says you're you're like this is useless. Like don't don't report it because nothing's gonna happen. This is gonna stay as a paper in this office. It's gonna be trashed out and nobody's gonna process it. So that's the problem in the conflict when people say. You don't have to cancel anyone and post something about them because that's illegal, because the system will find justice. But what happens when the system don't like the system doesn't work? The system's not going to find you a solution. 
what do you do after that? And I think this is a huge problem in Chile since when you can't trust the system, you have to find other options to, for example, have an abortion. And I think one of the exacto, if sin hay justicia no hay escrache, eh, um, abortions are going to happen nonetheless if it's, it's legal or not. People are going to have abortions. The problem is the young women or women in general that have abortions by illegal places are in danger and they can die just by attempting abortion. It's not something new. And there's many cases of women in March that have a sign like I try to abort this time and I had serious health issues because of it. So what I think is the most important part to look at this is um, it's not that it's gonna have it's like abortions are gonna happen or not. Is that is there gonna happen in a safe uh, safe place so more lives can be saved or we're gonna let illegal abortions happen, continue happen in uh, really dangerous spaces. And there's also uh, this problem with Uh, it's also considering the other part of the story. If you do uh, force a, a pregnant woman to carry the pregnancy to the end, and then she's gonna like give away the baby for this the adoption system. Our adoption system is called Sename. Um, it has a really, really bad reputation in Chile since it's a really corrupted system. It doesn't help the kids, not at all. Uh, they are usually exposed to abuse. This is like system abuse, the, the government. It's like they win money through it. They It's so corrupted, everyone knows that. But the problem is that the system itself is not interested in actually making a change. So what we always question is, do, do you really want to bring a child to the world so it can suffer in the tsunami? with no opportunities out in life. So I think that's also an argument that feminists usually say, if if you really want to bring a baby into the world, let it be loved and wanted so it can have a support net to go out into the world and not leave it alone in a system that's designed for its failure. So I think the main crisis in Chile, it's um, the legal like politics because <laughs> people in general uh, think that um, for example women it's really broad except except for like the catholic groups that at least it should be open for people to have an abortion if they're not if if not they're gonna take the baby to the tsunami because everyone knows what happens in the tsunami so i guess in a broad like summarizing Uh, we've had we had a really really strong feminist uh, group in Chile. We have a lot of power as feminists. The problem is that the politics were not reflecting that power. And now with Boric, um, with Boric, we we have um, a, a hope, I guess, since uh, he he's declared that his government is going to be a feminist, although I have some issues with that statement. Uh, there's a lot of uh, woman uh, influence in his uh, body government. So I think there is hope that in this term, they will finally pass the bill that has been sleeping for years in the Senate, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, I think the, the case of Chile really shows how politics work. <laughs> And as you were saying, like they, they do have the power to pass the bill. It's just like they don't want to. Um, and it's interesting to see that because that just really evidences how what matters or what is important for the politicians, for the ones making all these decisions about the country. Um, but I, at the same time, I do think that the government of Avodic, I mean, um, I follow him on Instagram and I've seen all the posts and like all the things that he he's been doing with um, the people that want to work with him. Um, and it's it's great to see so many women um, in positions of leadership and power 
And again, as you were saying, like claiming that his government is going to be feminist, that's like, what do you really mean by this? But at least I think it's uh, a sign of hope for so many women in Chile, especially uh, in the context that uh, Chileans have been living since the end of the dictatorship. Um, important to understand the context of the, uh, the historic the histor historical context, the political context of Chile, and then you will actually be able to understand why um, it is taking so much time for the government to, to pass the bill. Uh, wow. Yeah, it's interesting to see this um, lack of will, the political will to, to make these decisions. Yes. I agree entirely uh, with how we, we can see the political machine grinding to a halt when it wants to. Um, but, but I also think it's important to say that, that Chile is, is a country that is experiencing massive change recently. So um, not just with Gabriel Boric being elected, but with the constitution being rewritten with, with, with a slate of very progressive constitu cons constitutional congressmen that are that are fundamentally going to change the country, right? Because uh, as you said in the beginning of, of, of your when you last spoke, then we it was a country stuck in the 1980 Pinochet mindset of the constitution, and that's finally going to change. Um, and while, of course, it took way too long for this to happen, I think that it's important to recognize that change is happening, and that there is, uh, at least from an outside view, and I don't know if you think it's this, this think distinctly from the inside, but looking from the outside, it does look like um, Chile has has a lot of potential to really become more progressive and more in line with 21st century thought. Um, and I think what, what played a lot in the abortion uh, bill taking so long to actually see a vote was Pineda's opposition to it. Uh, and, and as you said, Gabriel Boric is a supporter of this bill. So I think that it's also going to help a lot having this pressure from the executive uh, for it to, to go through. Yes, I definitely think uh, Chile has been going through a lot of changes lately, and the constitution, like the convention, convention, the constitution convention, uh, it's gonna give us. It's gonna we're gonna learn a lot from it, even if it doesn't work, because we never know if it's actually gonna come through the end as we expected it to be. But the fact that we had that space and we stood up and we created that opportunity to write a new constitution elected by people that actually taught a lot to Chilean people of like the power we have. And, all, and also, I guess um, we like, the problem is that people stop believing. They, they stop trusting the governments, they stopped trusting the parties. So actually the, the latest when, when Boric was elected, you could you could talk to anyone and they would say, I don't know who to vote. Because like, you, how, how can I trust anyone in here since we've had a lot of politicians that say A and they do B. So I guess this rupture that we had in the in how the people believe politicians it's gonna really see how this work we're gonna see how this works with the convention like the constitutional convention but i think also change uh the perception of chilling people forever yeah absolutely absolutely then i i think it's very well said um and yeah Unless someone has anything else to add on Chile, I think we can move on to the second to last uh, country that has made some impressive strides for, for the, the legalization of abortion, which is Argentina. And unfortunately, we don't have an Argentine with us today, but I will do my best to uh, make to give justice to the cause of of argentines uh women who have been fighting for years for the legalization of abortion in the country uh because similar to chile actually argentina until late 2020 abortions were only permitted in very specific cases such as of course when pregnancy happens due to rape and there were of course many issues with this uh, that elena's touched in uh our chile discussion and also when the woman's life was in danger. But in 2018, then President Mauricio Macri told Congress that despite him being pro-life, he would encourage the discussion of abortion in the country and would not veto whatever decision the legislative came to the issue. Um, and again, it's important to note that 
previous administrations haven't really discussed this in Argentina. So Carlos Menem was very pro-life and it was during his administration that the church played a important role in his government and that made abortion be uh, uh, disallowed or, or illegal in Argentina. Uh, after him, Fernando de la Rua didn't really touch on this. Uh, Nestor Kirchner, which people expected would be a big change, also didn't uh, really touch on that. Cristina Fernandez de Kirchner is pro-choice, uh, but during her administration, she didn't have the chance to move this forward. She had a lot of opposition in Congress. And then, of course, as I said, it was only when Mauricio Macri was in office that despite being pro-life, he he would uh, encourage this discussion. Um, and I have many, many, many issues with Macri, but this is probably one of the most important things of, an, of his administration, because although he is pro-life, although he uh, doesn't think abortion should be legalized, he uh, encouraged the discussion, which I think is very positive and very democratic of him, especially because at the moment Argentina was living, which was a moment of reviewing these antiquated laws. So uh, this prompted the national campaign for legal, safe and free abortion of Argentina to submit a bill in the Chamber of Deputies, which is the lower house of the Argentine Congress, uh, asking for the legalization of abortion in the country up to the 14th week of pregnancy. And at this point, I think it's very interesting to note that the abortion debate in Argentina does not really have to do with political parties. So while in the United States, you will generally have Republicans be pro-life and Democrats be pro-choice, and the same as in Brazil with left-wing parties being pro-choice and right-wing parties being pro-life, this isn't the case in Argentina. So there, uh, whether you're pro-life or pro-choice or pro-legalization of abortion or not, de depends largely on where you are from. So uh, congressmen and senators coming from the north of the country, which is uh, generally more rural, more conservative, uh, tend to vote against um, against uh, the legalization of abortion, also because in the north of Argentina, the Catholic Church is very strong, stronger than in the rest of the country. So generally, these uh, lawmakers vote against. Whereas if you are from the south of the country, which is uh, more cosmopolitan, more urbanized and more progressive, uh, these uh, lawmakers generally vote in favor of the legalization of uh, abortion. So it doesn't matter if you're from the Cambiemos or the Frente de Todos or Frente de la Victoria. If you are, it really depends where you were elected, whether or not you're going to vote for or against abortion in Argentina. So this first 2018 bill uh, narrowly, narrowly, narrowly passed the Chamber of Deputies with 129 votes for, 125 against and one abstention. But when the bill reached the Senate in August 9th, 2018, it was defeated with 31 votes for, 38 against, and two abstentions. And this, for a time, stopped the discussion in Argentina. The pro-choice camp went back to the drawing board and was reinvigorated in 2019 when the 2019 elections brought in Alberto Fernandez of the Frente de Todos into the Casa Rosada and uh, also renovated, probably more importantly, it also renovated both the Senate and the Chamber of Deputies, which uh, meant that there was a larger chance of this, uh, of a new bill to pass. Uh, and it's important to note, of course, that Fernandez made the legalization of abortion one of the key issues of his campaign, promising that his administration would do everything in its power to legalize abortion throughout the country. And he may do with that uh, promise because in November 2020, his government sent Congress a bill that would legalize abortion on demand up to 14 weeks of pregnancy and would also make abortions available at all public hospitals and clinics, which the second part is probably the not the most important, but extremely important as well because uh, abortion being legalized in a vacuum is quite uh, uh, not enough. It has to be free and available by the state. And that's is why this bill was was really important as well. Uh, and this time around in 2020, the bill easily passed the Chamber of Deputies with 131 congressmen voting for it, 117 against it, and six abstaining. And a few days later, the bill reached the floor of the Senate, where after a marathon 26-hour uh, session, it was also passed with 38 voting in favor, 29 against, and one Abstaining and Alberto Fernandez therefore signed the bill into law in January 2021 and in Argentina we now have uh, free legal and safe abortions which is uh, absolutely brilliant uh, and just before I, I end this this um, overview of the Argentine case one negative thing that has been happening in the past year is that there is a loophole in the law in which a doctor is not mandated to 
provide abortion services. So a lot of doctors in the north of the country are refusing to offer abortions at their hospitals and clinics. Uh, and the pro-life camp has been very active in letting doctors know that they are not mandated to do so, which is really upsetting, but at least it is law. Um, and that is the Argentine case. Any comments, questions from any of you? I actually follow closely the case of Argentina through the Una Menos Collective. I also have them on my Instagram. And it was really interesting to see all the work being done. Um, I remember the day when abortion was finally legalized. Um, the, the joy that was experienced by so many women that attended, that were gathered together um, to celebrate and be able to see that after so many years of fighting, of um, debates, conversations, of working and trying to make sense of the of the legal system in Argentina, they were finally able to celebrate this and, and make this legal. But as you were saying, it's not just about having the law um, or decriminalizing abortion. It's also ensuring that there um, there's access and there's quality access to um, safe, legal and um, free abortions. And with your example of like doctors being being able to say no. Um, and then it's not just one doctor, it's of course um, a group of physicians that get together and reject these. And then uh, as you were saying, the North is more conservative. So people in the North, women in the North will have to go um, somewhere else to get an abortion. So what does that say for the people that cannot afford to do that? What does it say for the people that um, live in conditions of, of violence and would not even be able to leave their houses to get an abortion? So there's a lot of work to be done in Argentina, of course, and in all our countries, but at least it's, it's a sign of hope to see how the Green Wave um, was finally able to see uh, hope in, in Argentina and definitely a great example of, um, of studies, especially looking at the law, looking at the work being done by, by collectives, by, by organizations, and also um, trying to uh, revise the law as, as needed and make changes as needed, because it's not just about having the laws, it's actually work making sure that the laws work for the people. Um, but yeah, thank you for, for that amazing overview. Um, yeah. and. As you said, Raquel, although the law has passed, there is still work to be done. So I think the amendment is absolutely in order in which doctors of the public network of Argentina's uh, uh, health system can't deny assistance. Um, it, it, for me, it's having it in the law, a doctor uh, refusing to provide a service is as if I went to the hospital with a heart attack, the doctor said he's not going to help you with a heart attack. It's, it's the same. It's in the law. You have to help me. And if there's this loophole exists, it needs to be addressed and it needs to be fixed. It needs to be fixed fast because Fernandez only has one year left in office and I have my severe doubts that he will be able to win a second term. Um, so yeah, with that, uh, unless there's any more questions or comments, we can move into the last case study of Ecuador. Perfect. So it's very important to put the case of Ecuador, I guess, in comparison to the cases of Chile, Colombia, and Argentina, because we are a few steps behind um, the other countries. Um, so yeah, okay. So before the recent ruling from the National Assembly, abortion was only legal in cases when the life of the woman was at risk and when the pregnancy um, resulted from rape of uh, women with intellectual disabilities. That's a, I'm gonna put a question mark there because that's a topic for another conversation. Um, but yeah, so in April of 2021, the constitutional court of the country sentenced in favor of decriminalizing abortion in all cases of rape. And following the, the court's decision, the Ombudsman Office of Ecuador, La Defensoria del Pueblo, was in charge of drafting a bill to be debated at the National Assembly. So, on June 28 of 2021, the nas this national office, the Defensoria del Pueblo, submitted to the legislative uh, bill uh, drafted in collaboration with several organizations, seven, several uh, social groups. Um, and this initial bill seek to legalize abortion and ensure its free and safe access. 
And it also demanded a time frame of 28 weeks for women of over 18 years old and like an indefinite uh, time frame for teenagers and girls. However, since June uh, of last year, um, this bill has been amended and redrafted based on the debates at the National Assembly. Uh, and almost a year after the Constitutional Court sentence on this past February uh, 17, um, the Constitutional Court of the country, um, sorry, the National Assembly decriminalized abortion in cases of rape with uh, 75 votes in favor, um, which was an amazing uh, and a great uh, advance towards ensuring uh, access to free and uh, safe abortion. However, though, there's there's an issue here because the initial bill, as I said before, was looking into um, accessing abortion for up to the week, the 28 week of uh, the pregnancy. But with the new bill, the new, I guess, amended bill, um, for women over 18 years old, it's only up to the of, of week 12. For underage girls and teenagers, indigenous women and women living in rural areas, it's only up to uh, week 18. And of course, feminist organizations are not happy with this time frame. Uh, they say it's very restrictive. Um, and these groups also anticipate that women will continue to seek clandestine abortions because as we've talked before, it's a matter of not being able to um, uh, have access to healthcare services, to quality healthcare services. It's a matter of class. It's a matter of uh, lack of access of so many things beyond just uh, being able to see a doctor. Um, so there's still a lot of uh, discontent from feminist organizations and they are demanding more from the state, from the government. Um, and putting this into perspective with what does this ruling actually mean? Um, if the executive, if President Lasso uh, approves the ruling from the National uh, Assembly, women will not have to denounce rape to access an abortion, which is something that is very important to say because in, uh, oftentimes you need the uh, evidence that you reported the, the, your experience of abortion. And of course, this, talk, this really talks about trauma. This, talks, this puts women in a position of uh, a further position of vulnerability and to go through the experience of having to tell, of having to denounce, of having to go through different medical exams to just be able to get this paper that says, oh yeah, you reported and now you can get, in theory, an abortion. Um, the new ruling also um, says that the healthcare system should provide the resources and medical attention needed to access abortion. So from the training to, of the physicians to ensuring that there are all the things that needed in order for people to get an abortion. Um, and here also same as uh, kind of like the case in Argentina, individual doctors can uh, conscientiously object to practice the abortion meaning that it will be harder for people to look for a doctor that will uh, practice the abortion. And of course, this will not be enough to stop women from getting clandestine abortion under these conditions of the time frame of uh, the issues with um, doctors rejecting, rejecting the practice of uh, abortion, of not having quality and free access to healthcare services, so as much as this new ruling um, offers hope and it's an evidence of the efforts of so many collectives and organizations, many, many groups back home still feel so dissatisfied with the situation because they're saying it is not enough. Um, it is not enough. The government should be doing more. We ask for more and the government is not responding to our needs. Um, so now that the National Assembly passed the, the bill, uh, Lasso, the executive, has to approve the ruling. However, it is important to note, as we have said before in other episodes, um, Lasso is a very conservative uh, president. He has positioned himself against abortion, but he has said he will be open to make certain exceptions 
although in the past few weeks he, he's also mentioned that he might veto the the bill so it's a still up in the air kind of kind of debate where uh the the president still has the last say on the matter and of course this has caused so many tensions between feminist groups and the state again demanding that the state is not doing enough that um the state continues to see women as disposable and continues to see women and women's needs as a second topic of the conversation rather as a matter of uh, public health that needs to be addressed as a matter of social justice that needs to be considered so i think and i think this what i'm going to say now i think also relates to our other countries that we discussed here today um but decriminalizing abortion or the passing of of the bills is not enough um we need to do more. It is also important to hold not only uh, the legislative and the other sectors of the state accountable for the um, their work or their lack of work in terms of ensuring access to free, safe and legal abortions. Uh, there's still a lot of work to be done in terms of providing the resources, the training, especially the training, there's a lot of stigma. We, I think Helen talked about this. Um, there's a lot of stigma, not only in um, the medical healthcare system, but also in society. So it's not just a matter of the healthcare system and having the law, but it's also a matter of societal change that needs to take place. But I'm very hopeful with this new, um, with, with the ruling of the National Assembly, because at least this is like the first time that we've actually been able to debate the topic of abortion. And although there's still a long way to, to go comparing to the other countries, um, it is a sign of hope that we will at some point be able to get there. And same as with our sisters from Colombia, we will also be able to uh, say one day that la maternidad será deseada o no será. Um, I just want to add to um what you were saying, like I've heard uh, people that, you know, are very skeptical about all of these are undecided or, you know, um, are do not agree with anything about abortion uh, being legal, you know, saying like we have to work first in, you know, making the system of, of adoption like, uh, you know, the best one so that, you know, uh, babies can, you know, like the mothers can have, like women can have the babies and, you know, if you don't want it, you leave it there. Um, and also uh, you have to work uh, to do sex education better. But it's like, you know, this is not like um, enhancing, improving uh, the adoption system, improving the uh, sexual education in a country that is very, very has, you know, all of these uh, as a very tab taboo topics and very stigmatized is a it's a hard process that you cannot do like in a day so like until we get there there's still a lot of girls and women that are dying that are getting harmed you know being very desperate in very dangerous situations so of course it's not only you know um, getting access to abortion but at the same time working towards a better sexual education, a better, you know, system in general, also to the justice system, right? So that these complications are very, you know, little and, you know, like very, very few exceptions or like zero at all. So that actually, you know, um, I was talking about this with some friends and in general, it's like, you know, no one is super excited and happy, you know, to just get as much abortions as they want. It's it's not, it's not, it's, it's not that, People, uh, women, I could say, uh, want to want to do it. Like, just genuinely, uh, I'm gonna do this. You know, it's it's a very it's a matter of a lot a lot of things, a lot of stigmatization from people. Also, a lot of you know, health conditions. You don't know you don't know what people are going through, right? So, I think just having the access and you know, making it less complicated for women to do it because. You know, the system is not perfect. I, I, I hope we have this sex education and the perfect adoption system people are talking about, you know. 
Yeah, no, that's definitely a great point because it really shows the different items on the feminist agendas, you know, like, and definitely comprehensive sexual education is up there uh, because we need that. It's not, we need to work on so many of these different aspects and areas um, as we are working towards ensuring safe, legal and free abortion. Yeah, I totally agree. And I also wanted to point out how like biased is this doctors can oppose to do an abortion because if you I wondered if doctors can refuse to someone's wish of euthanasia, euthanasia like to end their life. I don't think they can. So I wonder why we let this law to have this doctors can refuse to do an abortion if they swore to treat anyone, no matter like their thoughts, it's their like obligation. So I just wonder how biased is our, like how they build these laws to always have the detail that has the trick to not be fully um, like safe, legal, safe, legal and, and, and free. It just that really speaks about how political this topic also is and how as much as like having these perfect laws, well, we might not be able to get there, but it is through working and ensuring that there's some kind of training, there's some kind of uh, like other work being done because we need to ensure that there's actually, again, access to free uh, to free, safe, and legal, legal abortion. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think you guys already said it all, really. Um, thank you, uh, Ellen and Juanita, for participating today. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, the doors are always open if you want to come back in this future episode. Uh, it was a pleasure to have this very important and uh, current discussion with all of you. And... We'll see you next week. Thank you so much.